Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to figure out what in the world's going to happen with my kids for school. And <laughs> we're looking at <laughs> we're looking at more options than I think I could have possibly imagined. But uh, we're, we're getting through. I'm finally getting some a good amount of vegetables for my garden, which I should have brought you some in today. And I did. Oh, it's okay. I'm it's in okay. trouble. I, I see the look on your face of disappointment you know it's a little bit of disappointment but oh. um you know i know you'll make up for it I'll, next week i'll do so. better next week i'm sorry that's okay and that school decision you know the one thing is that everyone's happy all the parents all the children everyone has been appeased no i'm just kidding you know it's uh, uh it, it's a difficult decision you know uh, it's uh, our, our leaders are, are it's it's a challenge but um we're gonna have to make do and um, boy, yeah, it's it's going to be a different year. Yeah, it's it it's, it's going to be a different year. But you know, other people who are having a significant challenge right now are those who are caring for our most vulnerable, our older adults. And so, super excited to have our guest on today. That's right. Standing by, we have Mark Valletta. He is the director of housing and home improvement for senior resources for seniors. And Nicole, we're going to be having a conversation all about aging in place. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Mark, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of those things. I, I know that in, in your role, you know, you really do focus on that safety and comfort at home, you know, traditionally, even pre-COVID. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that we could be doing to provide a safe and comfortable environment, especially during these times. I always like to tell folks when we when we speak uh, in, in, in community groups that now is the key word in, in the safety of, of your home. Uh, there's a phrase, carp diem, seize the day. Look around your home and see the things that may be an impediment to you in the future. Uh, there's so many things that we take for granted. I, I like to tell folks about my specific situation. I live in North Raleigh, and my home is a perfect home for aging, except one thing. I live down in a hole, and I have a driveway that's like a ski slope. And I tell my 40-year uh, younger neighbors that uh, when I can't bring my trash cans up the street anymore, it's on you. So uh, <laughs> it, it, there's just things you have to plan. You just have to plan ahead. Uh, try to imagine yourself five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. Uh, that, just a lot of things that we could, we could talk about as far as the layout of your home, uh, conditions in your home that, that could create problems for you down the road. So one of the things, um, you know, that we really come to realize, especially because the COVID-19 pandemic, I don't think that it's leaving us anytime soon, unfortunately, is that, you know, folks are continuing to age even when we have the pandemic around us, right? People are still having strokes. People are still being diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. People are still falling and breaking hips. People are still having a, experiencing a cognitive decline. And yet now family caregivers are having to 
try to make decisions about the care of their loved one when access to resources feels a little bit more restricted. I mean, you can't even take a tour of a long-term care community right now. You can't go there in person, so you have to make decisions about placement and things like that when you don't even have all the pieces in front of you. You know, jokingly, we were talking about how do you make a decision about school when you don't even understand what it's going to be like next year. So, you know, we ha- I think we have a lot of people that are opting out of placing loved ones in cog- cog- um, congregate living settings because of everything that's been going on with the known fact that the virus does spread a little bit more easily in those types of settings. What are some things that family caregivers can do to make home a little bit more safe uh, during this time when they perhaps are delaying some of those decisions to place a loved one? Oh, gosh. Uh, if, if they haven't been in, in their home or your home for a while, the first thing I'd do is tell you if there's any loose rugs or things like that, get rid of them. That's a huge problem in homes for folks because we don't pick our feet up as we get older. Uh, and it doesn't take much to, to trip over that sort of thing. Uh, there's things you just never consider. Uh, I, I did a remodel in my mother-in-law's home. Who She's 95 years old, very short. She had a microwave that was over her stove like many of us do. Well, imagine somebody under five feet putting a bowl of soup in a microwave that's above their head, oh. opening the door, taking it out, and you can imagine what can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the things you just never consider. Uh, there's problems with narrow doorways if your loved one has a walker uh, can you bring them into your home can they get through the door uh, are they stable enough to get in and out of a bathtub uh, if you don't have a walk-in shower um, just a lot of the things that we do here day to day to try to help the folks with those issues whether they be taking care of themselves or whether they have you know they're they're living with family or caretaker uh, one of the biggest things i tell folks here from time to time is there's just not a program for every service and so you really have to rely on your family your friends your neighbors even in church family uh, to to try to help out whenever possible but there's there's a myriad of things that we don't consider so mark what are some of the things that you orchestrate at resources for seniors that could be of assistance to those listening today uh we build probably 80 to 100 wheelchair ramps uh, a year with volunteer labor two groups uh, that have been doing this since 1985 uh, they've built over 2300 ramps at no cost to the uh, recipients uh, that that's the biggest that same program will put in uh, domestic hot water for for water heating uh, we go in with our own staff uh, in the bathroom situation I was telling you about if you, if you if you've got a tub and your bathroom's small you can't get in uh, we'll install a long hose handheld shower grab bars uh, and possibly a transfer bench so that instead of stepping over a tub you can sit down outside the tub on the bench slide over into the tub and then you know use the handheld shower sitting down uh, and and have grab bars to kind of safely maneuver as you get in so uh, lots of things like that we'll put handrails in homes that are missing some repair uh, uh, handrails and steps on approaches to homes Uh, just all the things that you know we just don't think about us in our normal lives until we get in a situation where uh, we're, we're not very stable anymore and we need that extra support so are, are these free services available to people in Wake County, or are there, is there a charge for these things? We are a Wake County agency, uh, with one exception, and I'll tell you about that later, possibly. Uh, it, most of them are free. Some of our in-home in, in uh, 
in service as far as from resources for seniors funding uh, is based on a sliding scale, which means we'll look at reported household income uh, and assign a percentage uh, to to the cost. But I can tell you most most services are free or a very very limited uh, charge if you're on that sliding scale. So and that's throughout Wake County. And you're still providing these types of services even during the COVID nineteen pandemic. We are. We go out with a mask and gloves and talk to folks. And uh, I think, you know, as far as COVID is concerned, I think we all just have to be careful, wear a mask, sanitize your hands, and we're all responsible for ourselves first. And if we take care of ourselves, I think we'll take care of others. Well, and I think it's good to know because I think one of the things that has gone on is that there have been so many closures and mandated closures and what's essential and what isn't. And I think part of what's going on with folks is that they're perhaps more isolated than they need to be because there isn't a great understanding of what access is still provided for the, for the consumer. So it's really good to know that these types of services are still available to individuals in Wake County who may, who may need them. So uh, everything in Resources for Seniors up and running, including your total life centers? Uh, the no, that is the the one sad part of this. Our senior centers and the total life centers are 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 empty right now, and we've we furloughed a good number of employees, and we're looking forward to getting them back. Uh, it just did not make sense, you know, logically or with even the mandates and the orders that are going on to have you know thirty, forty people at risk, you know, at sixty, seventy, eighty years old in the center. So that's that's one of the unfortunate unfortunate things that have happened because of COVID. That is the voice of Mark Valletta. He is the Director of Housing and Home Improvement for Resources for Seniors, and we are going to continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. You can find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.com. Dot org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest is Mark Valletta. He is the director of housing and home improvement for seniors for, excuse me, for resources for seniors. And we're talking all about safety and comfort at home, Nicole. Yeah, you know, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, resources for seniors operates as the area agency on aging in Wake County. So every county has an area agency on aging that provides aging and adult services for the citizens that reside in that county. So that is the function of which resources for seniors operate. So they do receive federal uh, funding and state funding and then obviously uh, local grants and things of that nature to provide all of these services for all of us in the community. So it's definitely a great gift. And I will say um, I, I have been completely humbled and blessed that resources for seniors had heard that, you know, we traditionally run the caregiver summits every year. And we normally do three in-person events for family 
like caregivers to get uh, information and education. And it's just, we had to reimagine that this year. We are going to actually be holding a virtual event and resources for seniors literally jumped on board and said, yes, we need this for the community. And they have agreed to be the underwriting sponsor for the event. So that is um, an amazing gift for our organization and for the general community that they will be providing us with financial support to be able to put on this opportunity for all of the caregivers in our community. So I want to extend my thank you to you, and I wanted to uh, publicly thank Resources for Seniors for what they're doing. So let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, specific things that we can be doing in the home, and then also, you know, what you have found over the years to be some of the factors that create a hazardous situation in the home. And I suspect that, you know, when you have a financial disparity that, you know, folks just don't continue to keep up the home as well as, you know, the the physical issues that go on. That is true. Uh, uh, Finances affect everything that we do in life. Uh, You know, you've worked a a career 30, 35 years, some people 40 years, made a pretty good living, and now you're on a fixed income, you're in retirement, and you've got a $10,000 roof to put on the house, and there's just no budget for that. Uh, That's not true of everyone, but that's true of a lot of folks. There's just not that much savings in the accounts. Uh, and uh, if your roof is leaking, it's going to affect the ceiling, and then it's going to go in the walls and then the floors, and it's it, it's a big problem. Uh, so deferred maintenance is something that if you can, while you can, while you're in your working years, try to address it if you can. Uh, there's a lot of hidden things that happen in homes. I'm also a licensed North Carolina home inspector, and uh, through that I've gone to the places that nobody ever wants to Everyone never wants to go in their house, under the house to the far corners, uh, and you'll find mold and mildew and things like that that can create uh, serious health issues. Uh, And you don't know why you don't feel good or why you have this general malaise or headaches every day when you wake up. Um, So there's just a lot of things uh, that that can be affected, and and finances are affect it greatly. I mean, if we don't have the money to do what we need to do to our homes, then we have to really assess, are, are we in the right home anymore? So you all have a really kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting name for a really big and diverse program, and that's your weatherization program. And when you hear that, you think, well, okay, what does that mean? They help us prepare for a hurricane or the, a giant blizzard, or, or what exactly is that, and how do folks get connected with that program? Uh, well, that's the largest program that uh, we administer here, that I administer in, in my department anyway. Uh, and it is basically an energy savings program. It is not a home repair program. Uh, it'll come in and insulate your attics, your walls, your floors, put a vapor barrier down over the soil and crawl spaces. It will replace uh, high energy burden old refrigerators. The first thing we do when we do after we do an audit and assess your home is send a heating and air company there to assess your heating and air system. And if it needs repair, uh, it can be repaired. And if it's in such disrepair, it could be replaced. Uh, The program is free. It is an income-based program directed at low to moderate income families. Uh, And that income is is on a scale based on the number of people in the home. Uh, It will uh, address a number of things, but it will not repair your home. So if your roof is leaking, the home may be deferred. That's where our other programs come in, like the City of Raleigh's Limited Repair Program or the Town of Cary or North Carolina Housing Finance Agency's Urgent Repair Program. And we can sometimes leverage those dollars to fix those deferral issues so that we can move forward 
with weatherization. It it is a great program. I've seen homes receive anywhere from three to twelve, thirteen thousand dollars worth of services through that program at, at no charge. And one caveat to it is it is also for tenants. Uh, so as long as the landlord agrees to the repairs, uh, you can you can improve the uh, place that you live in, even that you rent. So um, you probably know enough to be dangerous about the next co- topic I'm going to be asking you about. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, and perhaps you do even administer this, but I know that you also provide some transportation services at Resources for Seniors, and I know that it's one of the biggest challenges. You know, Wake County is a very, very diverse county as far as population density. When you drive, you know, 30 minutes outside of Raleigh, it's quite rural. So it's very hard for individuals who are getting older who can no longer drive sometimes to have transportation to doctor's appointments or even to get to the grocery store. Um, you have programs related to that as well, don't you? We do, and, and you hit the nail on the head. I'm the, the sawdust guy here. I don't know a lot <laughs> about the program, but I do know that there are programs here that will provide those services. Uh, one thing I would tell anybody who's listening is to write this number down. It is our intake and referral uh, staff. Number is 919-713-1556. Five, six. And if you call that number, if they don't have the answer, they'll get the answer for you. And transportation would be one of those subjects. So uh, we that's manned full-time, 8 to 5, uh, all the time that we're open here. So that's a great number to have on your Rolodex. And I know I a lot. Say, I just dated myself. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people, too. Um, you know, you are known for this amazing resource guide that you put out on a yearly basis. You actually take the time to gather all of the information about all of the resources that live in Wake County, and people joke or are quite frankly serious, especially when you work in the in the long-term care and community-based care community, that the Resources for Seniors Resource Guide sits right next to the Bible because that is a great, great resource for folks to um, learn about the many different programs and services that are available through Resources for Seniors, but then also throughout all of Wake County. And I know that you also have that available for folks who don't get uh, an actual hard copy book, um, you can actually access all of that on your resourcesforseniors.com website as well. You can now. That's uh, all online, and uh, there's a great feature there. If you're going through there and you see items that you'd like to tag, you can sort of bullet point those, and then it will. if you've got a printer and you do that sort of technology stuff, you can print out <laughs> just those things you were interested in without having to page back through all that. You can also do it on mobile devices as well. So uh, yeah, we some people call that the Wake County Bible, and uh, we print about 15,000 a year of those. So we love to get those into people's hands. We, we have them at hospitals, and EMS comes and picks them up regularly. Churches get them, so uh, that's, a, that's a great resource. Uh, one thing I would like to tell you about that I'm sort of proud of is the database that we've created. It's called Caring Across Wake County. And as you can imagine, we get lots and lots of requests, and unfortunately there's just not a program or a resource for every one of them. So we've created this database that basically has the name, address, the need of the person. And then we'll have groups that call in, churches, volunteer groups, uh, civic organizations that are looking for opportunity for community service. And they say, well, have you got anything that we can do? And I said, just happen to have 270 names here. and Here's some projects for you. <laughs> and so we'll send that over to them. And, and we're trying to pair up, uh, you know, volunteer groups with folks in need that uh, that we just didn't have services for. So. A sort of a, a last 
last-ditch effort at trying to help when we can't do it directly. Yeah, that's great, Mark. Uh, I want to encourage everyone who wants to get a hold of Resources for Seniors. That number that Mark gave out earlier is 919-713-1556. 919-713-1556. Or go online to resourcesforseniors.com. Resources for Seniors. He is Mark Valletta, Director of Housing and Home Improvement for Resources for Seniors. Mark, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. We, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, thank you very much. It's been an honor to be here. We will be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It is your life, your care. I am Jason Kong here as always with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we've got a new guest here on the line, and that is Lauren Zengraf. She is the executive director of Friends of Residents in Long-Term Care, and we're going to be talking about why your voice is all you need. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jason and Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. You know, I think this is is a wonderful topic because I think a lot of Americans are feeling like they have finally been able to find their voice these days and lots of opportunities for folks to get involved on an advocacy level. And so I think it's important for people to realize that you can have a voice when you're advocating for a loved one who is in a long-term care setting. Absolutely. And um, it's really, yes, the, the pandemic has highlighted the need for those of us that have a loved one in long-term care to really use our voice how important it is for us to speak on their behalf. So, um, and many people right now, I think, have felt um, hopeless to some extent, and we can understand that, right? Or helpless to some extent. But advocacy is a tool that we all have that we can always use no matter what um, the situation looks like. And you and I both, Lauren, have backgrounds in social work, which we discovered the other day when we were on the phone. always love chatting with social workers. Uh, And so, you know, there are ways that are better ways than others when you're trying to advocate for a loved one. So I would often find myself, you know, in all the years I've worked in older adult services since I'm dating myself now since 1997, um, you know, working with families and trying to teach them how to advocate for their loved ones, because I know there's oftentimes the fear of reprisal or being kind of known as that pain in the butt family member or what have you. And there are ways to get your point across, just similar to how you would talk to a loved one in more in a, a sort of a confrontational um, situation. There are ways to handle difficult conversations without creating a huge giant stir that damages relationships. Absolutely. One of the tips that I, I share when we're talking about advocacy is, um, and it's something that we've, we've heard, many of us heard when we were children, but it's true in adult life, is that it's not what you say, but how you say it. Mm-hmm. 
And that continues to be really true, even in these situations that can be, um, you know, very stressful. And um, there's a lot of emotion behind it because it does have to do it as it's, you know, it's about your loved one in long term care in a sensitive situation like that. But we have to still always remember how important it is that we're polite, that we still use manners um, and that we even remember to show gratitude that we thank someone um, thank you, I still feel, are is two of the most underused words um, to just say thank you at the end when you've had a conversation with someone or you've sent a letter in. Um, those things go a long way to getting your point across. And like you said, Nicole, you can still have your message be just as clear. But if it's without the... Um, the acrimony or the anger, it'll go a lot further. And I think, you know, one of the challenges we all have, or most of us have as human beings, is that we really don't like confrontation, right? Like nobody looks forward to a difficult conversation with anyone about anything, frankly, because it's not anything that brings us joy, uh, or, or and we don't want to really hurt the other person. And so, you know, one of the things that I often talk to families about is, you know, you, you think about, you know, your teenage child that you might have at home or had at home in the past. And, you know, you you get the little acne bump, right? And you want to deal with it when it's a tiny little acne bump and not when it turns into this big, nasty, infectious boil. And so, you know, trying to, you know, figure out, you know, instead of holding that resentment and letting the anger build and build and build and build until you suddenly have an eruption, trying to, you know, really deal with the issues that are going as they happen and really have that working relationship with that organization. And then on top of that, not always looking for the bad that happens, but also trying to shine some light on the good things that happen along the way as well. Absolutely. Part of being an, uh, an effective advocate is exactly what you just said, is that you have the, that you communicate when there are um, issues and challenges that you want to improve upon, but that you also are that same voice to be there to communicate when there are things that are going well and things that you can appreciate. So absolutely, that is part of what it's about a a relationship and it's about speaking out on both when things are are not going as well, but also appreciating when the things are going well. And I think too, Lauren, you know, one of the things that I think we all need to keep in mind when we're in a situation where we need to use our voice to be an advocate for a loved one who cannot advocate for themselves, perhaps, is really seeking out the proper person, right? So let's just picture, you know, a long-term care situation, you know, and and maybe you're not pleased with the personal care that's being provided to your loved one. You know, first, you know, maybe you would gently go to the the aid that is assigned and just say, hey, you know, I, I noticed this with mom and, you know, it would be my preference if, you know, the following was done when you were providing personal care and just handle it gently. And, but then if it's, it's not handled well with that direct care worker, then, you know, kind of elevate it to the next person and give that person the opportunity to try to fix it instead of, you know, all of a sudden just jumping, especially if it's a more minor issue from, you know, oh, mom, I didn't appreciate the fact that she had something dirty on her blouse, you know, take that and go directly to the state or take that and go directly to the ED, because that is where you you're not giving the people who are empowered in the ranks below to make the change at that point. Yes. The way to um, think of that is exactly, it's kind of like if people could think about um, at their job, if a situation had happened and it was a minor situation that had to do with them, 
wouldn't they want a coworker to first just go to the supervisor over their department versus going all the way to the CEO of the company? Right. Um, and I know that in this, in my case, I would certainly would want my coworker to go to the, the supervisor of our department first before going to the CEO. Or maybe even and come to me. Exactly. Come to right, me myself. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> yes. And so that's exactly what it's like in long-term care. Um, the, the, if you go all the way to the administrator of the, you know, nursing home or assisted living community where your loved one lives, you've, you've jumped several levels um, and you haven't given the people that are doing the direct care with your loved one a chance to correct it. Or as you said, you know, empowered them to, to make the appropriate change. And we should always give people the benefit of the doubt that sometimes maybe they're not aware of it. Sometimes it might not be intentional. And, and so if you can gently point it out to them or just have an honest, sincere conversation with them, it might change right away. So you should always try to do that first before going to um, upper levels. So what is the role level? What is the role of friends of residents in long-term care in our community and how do you get involved and help individuals? A friends of residents in long-term care is the consumer voice for um, residents in long-term care and their family members. We have been here uh, in North Carolina since 1987. Uh, we are a nonprofit. We are nonpartisan, and we are also an independent nonprofit. And I stress that because that means that we are not funded by state government, and we're not funded by the long-term care industry either. We work directly with both the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services as well as the long-term care industry as community partners and work with them to help improve um, long-term care for residents. Uh, but we're not um, subsets of either one of those. So we really can be the independent voice for um, residents and their loved ones. And so the way we get involved is that we uh, work um, on legislation, direct policy that would improve the quality of care um, for residents in long-term care. Um, we help family members when they have concerns or issues. We don't actually, uh, I mean, we definitely take consumer calls all the time and emails all the time that have to do with issues and try to help um, guide them for where they can go, whether it's to their local ombudsman or if it's to something that does warrant needing to go to the state level. Um, we educate the community um, and just other stakeholders to know so that people are aware of what life is like living in a long-term care facility and how important it is that the people living there have um, the best quality of care, not just physically, Nicole, but also we want to make sure that, you know, their needs are met um, emotionally and mentally and spiritually and just all the way around so that they have the best um, quality of life. Lauren, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it and we appreciate everything that the Friends of Residents in Long-Term Care do because uh, it's an important voice that a lot of us probably don't think about unless we're in a long-term care situation or we have a, a loved one in that situation. Lauren, thanks, thanks again so much for your time. Thank you, Jason. And you can find more information about the Friends of Residents in Long-Term Care at FORLTC.org. That's 4LTC, long-term care, 4LTC.org.
org. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And uh, Nicole, I guess we can't really say it enough, but things have just changed so much uh, in the landscape of our, our daily lives with COVID-19. And, um, you know, Nicole, I think it's just more important than ever for us to maintain mental health and, and mm-hmm. make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Well, this is incredibly hard for people. You know, human beings are social animals. I mean, as much as we all say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert or whatever, but any period of isolation is just really incredibly hard on mental health. And then with the fact that there's just so much out of our control and then our all of our routines have been completely flipped on their ears. You know, we have kids home and we're not to, or kids who are in daycare and at home or school or, you know, the aging loved ones. We're all concerned about those folks and the number of people, you know, applying for unemployment in this state is just exploding. And so there's just so much going on and it can be just totally incredibly overwhelming. And so um, it's just incredibly important to really do some things for yourself to really help you maintain that sense of control. And I'll, I laugh when I say this, but just even a simple thing of try to create a routine for yourself at home. You know, whether it's just, you know, wake up in the morning, make your bed, you know, actually get out of your pajamas. You know, there's a sort of a joke going around online about, well, this is, you know, bra sales are going down because no women are even putting on a bra. (laughs) Now, you know, I'm here in the studio. I do have a bra on. (laughs) But, you know, these are these are all things, you know, we have to try to remain some sense of normalcy. You know, try not to sit there and binge watch TV 12 hours a day. Get outside and take a walk. We have a beautiful weekend this weekend and, you know, really try to get outside and spend some time in nature. Um, and, and really, one thing that I think is it's hard not to do because we all have our devices literally in our hands is take a break from the media. Now, not our show. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but take a break from watching, from reading, from listening to the news stories, including social media. I mean, if I look at my news feed on Facebook, every other post is about something to do with COVID-19. And, and it just... Sometimes you just need to get away from it and just turn it off, even if you need to turn it off for, you know, 12 hours just to give yourself that mental break. Yeah, I think that's wonderful, a wonderful idea, Nicole, because, you know, we've we've sort of gone through these waves where the 24 hour news cycle was uh, just pumping stuff out literally minute by minute Mm -hmm. and And going uh, live every second. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at some point you sort of get acclimated to that and you keep thinking, well, if I don't check, I'm going to miss something. And that's that's not the case. You know, you can take a break and especially if it's causing you more anxiety than Mm -hmm. keeping you informed. Then, yeah, it's it's definitely time to take a break. But, um, Nicole, I think you're you're exactly right about the mental health aspect. And I know a a lot of listeners and uh, people here at WPTF and Curtis Media Group have been talking to me about, well, you know, they've got loved ones who are uh, far away and they're worried about Mm -hmm. them and making sure that they're not too isolated. But uh, again, it's, it's not the time to go visit them. But hey, 
you can pick up the phone and call. You mm-hmm. can FaceTime, uh, video chat, whatever. There, there's plenty of opportunities there. And, you know, another way to reduce your stress and stress in others is really just checking the facts. You know, not every website, not everybody's opinion out there, op- opinions are opinions, and opinions aren't necessarily rooted in fact. But going to, like, the CDC website or the North Carolina Department of Human Services website to really actually understand, you know, number one, are you in the at-risk group? Okay, if yes, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And if you're not, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And really just trying to just focus on the things that we actually have that are known. Um, and, and unfortunately, and, and you know, all of our leaders in this country and in this state are, are grappling with kind of how to handle this. And so it is sort of changing day by day with restrictions and things of that nature. But just really trying to just stick to just trying to figure out exactly what the facts are and then how it actually impacts you. You know, I, I often, my husband and I sometimes get into conversations about, you know, global issues or nationwide issues. And sometimes just the thought of even trying to contemplate those things are incredibly overwhelming. And so brought into every single one of our living rooms now is this COVID-19 virus. And so I'm just trying to focus on every day, trying to do the next right thing and trying to do something that I feel will help somebody else. And it could be something like, you know, sewing those masks that you see a lot of the hospital systems asking for, donating food, you know, volunteering for Meals on Wheels to make some deliveries, even just calling on or calling up some of my older adult friends that I don't often talk to just to see how they're doing. Um, and I will say, you know, the, the shortage of supplies really is an issue. Um, for example, Transitions Life Care, who continues to send their clinicians out into the community, their nurses, their their physicians, their, their aides, um, you know, there is just a general shortage of what's known as personal protective equipment out there. And um, they, they're actually calling on organizations or individuals who may have things like surgical masks, isolation gowns, goggles, gloves, um, you know, some of those alcohol wipes or hand sanitizer. If folks have those types of things in mass at their homes, you know, if you want to donate some of those things, you certainly can do that by emailing PPE supplies at transitionslifecare.org. That's PPE supplies at transitionslifecare.org. And they will take donations in any quantity. Because of sort of the the reaction or sometimes the overreaction of some people in, in our country, some of these supplies are running low. So we just want to make sure that we continue to have an ample supply to care for the thousands of folks that we serve in the community, too. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think just picking one small thing that you can do to help really goes a long way. It sometimes, makes you feel good. It boosts yeah, yourself a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes we may be overwhelmed thinking, well, I, I want to do these this list of 18 things. Well, no, just start with one thing. Yep. Get the ball rolling there. Start small. And, and even that will make a big impact. And that was, that email address again, PPE Supplies at transitionslifecare.org PPE supplies at transitionslifecare.org Nicole before we head out I want to uh, just give you a chance to let everyone know that uh, uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still going strong and yes, that if sir. people still need that as a resource it is completely available to them We sure are we are considered one of those essential healthcare organizations so regardless of what's going on all around us and the different types of businesses that need to close Transitions Life Care will be here to serve all of our staff are working and connecting uh, family members to any resources that they need. We can provide any amount of education and support. And we are a free service uh, for the community. 
So all folks have to do is just give us a call at 919-371-2062, or they can certainly go to our website at guidinglightsnc.org and connect with us there. But we are still uh, operating, and if folks are in need of providing any type of care for their loved one and are needing um, us to connect them with a service provider, we can certainly do that. And we also have a whole host of online resources available to include a listing of all of these shows that can help educate folks on how to care for their loved one. Because despite what's going on with this virus, loved ones are still needing care, issues are still coming up. So we still have the normal stuff of life that's going on while we're all trying to work with COVID-19. Yeah, it's a, a lot to juggle. That website again, Guiding Lights NC. Dot org is the best way to get a hold of them. We are out of time for today. I want to thank our guests for joining us by the phone. We really appreciate them accommodating our, accommodating our social distancing that we're practicing here at WPTF. We are out of time for today, but you can find more information about the show and find replays and past episodes of Aging Matters at WPTF.com. Click on the podcast button. There you'll find Aging Matters, and you can view the full archive of episodes there. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.